This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Liverpool 2, Aston Villa 1, Trent answers Reds call in hour of need to keep up the pressure in a bid for a top four finish. I'm Guy Clark, this is the post-game podcast here on the Blood Red channel. Thanks for joining us as we react to the last gasp 2-1 win over Villa at Anfield. Coming up, Jurgen Klopp on the match winner. I don't think Trent is in a situation where he has to prove himself constantly on this level. The Echo's Liverpool correspondent Paul Gorse watching the Reds get back to winning ways at home. Liverpool have scored at Anfield, uh, they've won at Anfield and it's been a long time since you've been able to say either of those. And despite the win, VAR threatens to take the limelight again. To be honest, my head fell clean off with that decision. You know, football's entertainment. Why are they trying to take these goals away from a game which relies on goals scored and emotion? Insight, analysis and opinion all to come right here on the Post Game Podcast. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Liverpool's near four-month wait for a win at Anfield is over after a 2-1 win here against Aston Villa. Um, a game which for so long went according to plan in terms of how Liverpool's story has been in 2021 here. But uh, a late goal from Trent Alexander-Arnold grabbed them back into the top four race, or rather put them into the top four, uh, if only temporarily, whilst uh, Chelsea play against their uh, Crystal Palace at uh, Sellers Park. But... Um, it was Aston Villa, true to form, it was, uh, it was the villains who took the lead, Ollie Watkins, the England international, snuck in in between Ozan Kabak and Nat Phillips after a thread of pass from John McGinn and he fired past Alison Becker to make it 1-0 in a game that Liverpool had dominated and looked a little bit brighter than it had been for, for much of the last four months here at Anfield, but uh, that is the way it has been at this venue for so long for Liverpool and uh, it only got worse when uh, Jota, Diogo Jota, uh, set up Roberto Firmino to uh, end what uh, many thought was Liverpool's longer wait for a goal here, but that was ruled off uh, offside. The, the lines came out and Stockley Park ruled that Jota was in fact offside, and you really have to see this back later on because uh, in all the decisions that have gone against Liverpool this season, this was perhaps the uh, the most baffling of the lots, and there has been quite a few of those, has to be said. But Liverpool, to their credit, didn't really let it affect them. They kept come out for the second half and fought their way back into it. Mohamed Salah yet again. His 19th goal of a, of a really productive Premier League season um, got Liverpool back into it. Uh, and uh, Jürgen Klopp sent on Thiago Alcantara, Jadon Ciccari, um in search of, um, of a second. And uh, Sadio Mane, of course, is, uh, is on his 29th birthday. He looked a little bit off the pace. Um, Ciccari looked sharp and Thiago kept things taken over in midfield. But it was, uh, it was the right-back, uh, the much-maligned right-back at the moment, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who fired Liverpool into the 2-1 win later on. He bent it beautifully past Emi Martinez to give Liverpool the win that their performance really did deserve and uh, kept them in the home for the top four, as we say. It briefly moved them um, up into the top four. As I, as I do this video now, Chelsea are 2-0 up at Crystal Palace, so we, you would imagine that Liverpool won't finish the day in the top four, but they are still alive in this hunt. Um, really a season that has tried Liverpool uh, with so so many turns, so many twists and turns. Really has thrown everything at them but the kitchen sink, but they're still in the hunt for that top four place. It's now uh, over to Real Madrid on Wednesday. Let's uh, see if Liverpool can overturn that uh, 3-1 deficit here at Anfield and book their place into the semi-final of the Champions League. Uh, we wait and see that one, but uh, the big news is here is Liverpool have scored at Anfield. Uh, they've won at Anfield and it's been a long time since they've been able to say either of those. It's finished Liverpool 2, 
Aston Villa won. The Echoes Liverpool correspondent Paul Gorst at Anfield as the Reds won at home for the first time since the 2-1 win over Spurs back in December. The six-game slump of defeats over then despite having to come from behind after Ollie Watkins' opener. Trent Alexander-Arnold, though, he just can't stay out of the headlines right now, can he? Well, here's Jurgen Klopp speaking on the result, Trent and the race for a top-four finish in his post-match press conference. In the Premier League, Jurgen, the performance last weekend and getting this home win in that style today is does that feel like a, a corner turn does that give you momentum going ahead for the rest of the season <laughs> yeah, that's what you hope for right? obviously uh, the Arsenal game you're right was really really good and today it was some of bit the same old story that we played well but uh, we make one mistake which is not the biggest mistake in the world but big enough to give them the opportunity to score and they do so next minute we scored the equaliser, which was a great goal, great pass, great link-up play, all these kind of things. And then you get summation. Uh, it's offside. I don't know for, for how much. Um, so you go in half time, and it's a little bit like the same story again. But we we decided long ago that we we accepted that this is kind of a bumpy season for us. But we we have to we have to strike back again and again and again. And the boys did. Took a while until we scored, but scored, we scored. We created a chance before that. Then we scored a really nice goal. Um, forced it, like if you want, with most header. Yeah, and then we, in our situation, it's a little bit like that. We had to increase the risk a little bit and um, took a stand half off pro track and um, scored this wonderful 2 1. Felt it's the best goal for ages when if, if emotional. But, and um, so, yeah, really happy about three points. Quite unusual for an international manager to stay right until the end of a game. And 91 minutes, I think it was, Gareth Southgate was still there to see it. Can you believe that there's any debate at all about Trent in the summer? No, 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 I know it is. It's no problem. I really would appreciate So, for the player especially. So, he's not really bothered about the discussion around he's he wants to be in a squad I think that's clear but I really think um, we don't have to talk too much about it so there's a he's a wonderful player I think we all agree Gareth agrees um, a really wonderful player and um, there is a manager has to make a decision and we respect Trent respects it I respect it so, and to be in a squad for England you have to play outstanding football Trent did this very very often in a very young age so there's just nothing really to talk about there will be tough this is not only on that position in the summer for, for Gareth. Um, and it's like I have to make tough decisions every day. Um, but that's normal in that job. But we don't have to talk about it. Just leave the boy playing football, what he's pretty good in. And um, don't talk anymore about it. Because in the end, um, it's like a made-up story if you want a little bit. Meanwhile, in the first moment, it's clear. You have to, you have somebody ask with an answer. But meanwhile, we, we make it a little bit up. And we don't have, should not do that. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Uh, we'll go to Carl Markham and then it will be Paul Joyce as it stands. So I don't know if you want to, Carl, but uh, far away. Yeah. Hi, Egan. Just, just on Trent, it's been, it's been quite a week for him. Three, he's, he's been heavily involved in three games in the last week. Um, I mean, the, the character he's shown and, and the way he's, he's playing, you, it must please you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But look, that's life is like this. Football is like this. He played an exceptional game at Arsenal. Played a top game tonight, this afternoon. Um, but in Real Madrid, we don't have to hide that he was involved in goal they scored obviously 
And um, that's how it is. That's how football is. I don't think Trent is in a situation where he has to prove himself constantly on this level. It's just he has to play good football. And yes, he has to prove himself for, 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 for challenge himself and all these kind of things, but not because of the national team, just because as a young player, you have to develop and you only make the next step if you really challenge yourself in, in specific moments. That's what he's doing, by the way. If he's not playing good, it's not that he thinks he's not bothered and don't care. Who does? No, it's the opposite. So just don't talk anymore about it. Talk about the game. Was he good? Was he not good? But leave the rest around aside. Thank you. Uh, we'll go to Dave Maddock and then we'll go to Chris Bascom and then finish with Paul. Dave. Jürgen, you, I, I think you had more shots on target today than you have actually in the last uh, six games at Anfield. And I'm just wondering, like, was, was, was that a change in your, the, the mentality that you spoke about before? Or was it like a, a tactical thing um, <laughs> or just a desire thing? Was it something you worked on is, is what I'm getting at? <laughs> oh, sorry. But that, but that would mean that in the other six games, we, we, we didn't want to shoot on target. That uh, would be a bit strange or not that often to keep the, the other going or that busy. That's not, that's not the case. Um, no, we decided, and I think we have to, we had to decide that. So we have to put, so we have to challenge ourselves. We have to put pressure on other teams. If we want to really reach the Champions League spots, then we are, because we are in a, in a, in a worse position than others, um, we have to chase them properly. We have to put them under pressure. We only can do it by winning football games. So if you do that, then we cannot really influence how much pressure that means for other teams, but we can we win football games. And that's what we want to do. You only can win football games if you shoot on target. <laughs> we know that. Um, but for that, you have to you be in the right positions. You have to, to, to you need to have the right attitude, the right mood, the right desire, the right, the right aggression, these kind of things. And I think really we had that tonight, uh, today. And um, because Aston Villa is really uncomfortable to play against, the specific way they play, um, the, the speed they have, all these kind of things. So that they do really well. And um, that's not easy then. And with our story now, losing the last six games, home games, um, that doesn't make life easier. We all know that. We were not really in it, didn't think a lot about it, but I cannot say 100% that not one or the other boy had it in his mind before the game. So, but I couldn't see it in the game. The boys really tried everything, played a good game, and deserved the three points. That's the only thing I'm. Thanks, Dave. Last two questions: one for Chris, one for Paul. Chris Bascom first. Hello. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah, just on a similar theme, you know, you, when you say uh, it looked like the same old story, is the fact that you changed the story that you came back from adversity because there have been a lot of adversity this year and you haven't been able to come back. So I think we, 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 it's no secret that it's quite a bumpy season for us. Eh? So like a lot of things are happening and um, we, we have to fight through. And in the end, if we would end up in the Champions League spot, that would be really great. But it's tricky. It's difficult. It's really hard, hard for us. So I'm not, not, I'm not surprised more that things like like the first half happened. But I'm interested in the direction. I like direction today. Absolutely. And that we didn't turn a game around in the last few weeks at home at, at Anfield or whenever. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's the reason why we lost six games in a row at home, which should not happen, but happened. And hopefully we turn it around. But we have um, tough opponents coming up with their own targets. Oh, target. you know, Real Madrid, 
of course, by the league. Then we play Leeds. Everybody who saw them fighting today against Man City knows <laughs> that's not a walk in the park. Uh, that will be a tough one. I think they are leading in all in all um, physical stats in the league. So that means, yeah, if you want to get there, something you have to do a lot, and that's what we will do. But um, for the moment, it feels great that we turn the game around. Feels even better. Final question, Paul. Yeah, again, it was just on on the the significance of the win and the mindset that it now gives you going into Wednesday must be more buoyant than you would have been at 1-1. What, what can it do for the whole dressing room ahead of Wednesday? Yeah, whatever it can do, we will take. That's clear. So we need we need a, 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 a perfect performance on Wednesday if you want to have a chance only, just for a chance. So I really think the way we played and the way Real Madrid played there, it doesn't look like very promising, but the good thing is we can play better. That would that would change the game already, but we have to. We, we don't have to make it now too big already here and there. Real Madrid doesn't come here and think they're already through these kind of things. Um, and it will be a tough one, but we will give it a try, I can promise. And that's the only thing we can say. And this today helps, of course. So like... When you are in a moment, when you win everything, stuff like this, you don't feel the intensity. You feel nothing. You just want to play the next game. You could play the next game next day. Obviously, for us in a moment, it's not that easy. We have to work really hard. We have to be need five chances to score a goal or ten to score a goal. These kind of things. You have to go through that. They cannot change that just by because you want to. You want to have it differently. You have to to work for it. And we did that today. Again, strong opponent, very important three points, and whatever it will give us. For Wednesday, we will use the post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Liverpool 2, Aston Villa 1, in what turned out to be a vital three point in the race for top four. The first 20 minutes of the half looked we looked more lively after that Madrid game, albeit some sloppy passing, but we did look more energetic. You had Mo's chance in the 13th minute, which Nine times out of ten in the seasons prior, he puts that away and puts the Reds 1-0 up there. I think before the game started, a lot of the talk and point around Thiago not starting after not starting in midweek. And you look at that first lot of passing in the first half and can't really understand why he's not starting that game. Throughout that first half, we had plenty of chances that were gifted to us by Villa. And especially in and around the 40th minute mark. And we didn't punish them for these mistakes Sloppy from Salah on many occasions and then to coincide with that in the 43rd minute Villa showing us how to put the ball in the back of the net after another poor one from the keeper midweek he's really done himself no favours there again with the ball getting hit straight at him and it's just seeming to just go straight through the fella. Listen he's got enough credit in the bank over the seasons but we've seen that a few times this season and I don't think it's a cause for concern going forward but you definitely would expect more from Allison. Then just before the half-time whistle, a Beckham-esque pass from Trent through to Jota and some scrambling round in the box. The ball eventually falls at the feet of Firmino, who truth be told, he scruffs it into the back of the net. And then eventually, after what felt like forever in a day, it's eventually given offside by, again, a ridiculous margin. You know, he's onside and that's that. And I think this is why people have fallen out of love of the game. This is why people are saying at the end of games that the game's gone itself with VAR. And to be honest, my head fell clean off with that decision. You know, football's entertainment. Why are they trying to take these goals away from a game which relies on goals scored and emotion? 
you know, it's a ridiculous margin like that. And I, I, it doesn't really sit well with me. It's really sucking the life and soul out of the game that we all love. And every passing week, a decision like this makes you fall out of love of it even more. You know, at the moment, the footy's a tough watch whilst not being there in person to watch it. But having these shambolic decisions, it's almost like when it goes to Stockley Park, they're tampering with the evidence in front of them and they're trying to find something to disallow the goal. I mean, going on from that, that's no excuse that the first half, just we weren't ruthless enough. Obviously, going into the second half, we did start to be fair, like we did in the first, energetic, lively, but this time we finally reaped the rewards with a shot from Robbo, palmed out to Mo to make it 1-1. I think looking at the whole 90 minutes, honourable mention for Nat Phillips there throughout that whole game. He's really impressed me once again. He, he just nev- never loses a header. He's leading from the back. And he even looks composed for a lad who's not been playing this amount of string of games together week in, week out at this level. And then the 90th minute goal comes from a lad who's been under immense criticism in the media lately. And he's really asked questions of his critics there. A world-class finish to put the Reds 2-1 up. I'm absolutely made up for him there. You could tell how much it meant to him on this face. That seriously could be a momentum-changing game to make sure we have European footy at Anfield next season. Over the 90 minutes... Not the most impressive performance, but again, season's gone by where we've won titles and we've won competitions in late stages. We've not always played the best, but we found a way of winning. And that was kind of uh, reminding from the Reds of what we were doing last season. In a weekend where we've got the Grand National, Liverpool haven't fallen at the first hurdle for the chase for the top four this weekend. Hopefully that late winner builds some confidence going into the midweek fixture, hoping for European glory. Nice grand national pun there from Mike. Looking back on the win over Aston Villa, the Reds pulled back into the pack, though, almost immediately with Chelsea's comfortable win at Crystal Palace. Well, let's get some more opinions now from the Blood Red podcast Facebook group. Jay Roberts writes, well, it's about time we won one we don't deserve. That old cliche. I was preparing for another deflating result. Good for Trent Alexander-Arnold. Shaq looked lively in his cameo. Mane, not so much. We might just pip this top four but it will take a string of wins might be a nail biter onto Real Madrid and another miracle Matthew F. Riley writes what part of Jota's body that could score a goal was offside very very good question I think a lot of us scratching our heads at that one Wes Bradshaw says that's what we needed for the running a comeback with a late winner to end the Anfield voodoo let's get another one on Wednesday and then up and on to the top four and finally Alan Downey says well deserved win should have been 1-1 at half time glad Southgate was there for Trent's goal roll on Real Madrid we can do this you'll never walk alone for more in the Blood Red podcast Facebook group follow the link in the description of the podcast or just head to Facebook yourself and search for Blood Red. Back to our regular contributors now though. Here's Owen from Cop On Podcast with his say. Great Jiminy Jeepers. What madness. I don't know about you but I sank to my knees in jubilation when Trent John Alexander-Arnold, the wizard of West Derby, thwunked that ball into the corner to make it 2-1 to Liverpool with four and a half minutes to go. And from that moment until the end of the match, I remained on my knees, imploring, panicking, heart pounding faster than the whoop, whoop, whoop of dubstep dance floor classics. 
El Ghazi had that chance and I almost died. What a match. What a result. Chasing the top four has never felt so breathless. After the sappy, soggy performance against Real Madrid, the robustness with which Liverpool have somehow climbed to fourth as I'm recording this would warm the heart of the coldest Arctic adventurer. I do wish, however, that we could try booting the ball in the goal during the first halves of matches at some point this calendar year. Uh, I believe we've scored no goals in the last 120 f- 127 even first half shots at home this season, which is befuddling. Also befuddling was Alison Becker's decision to dispense with his magic tash pre-match, which was not only not the only decision he got wrong today, of course, but of course we'll let him off. He's Alison Becker. Of the better performances on the day, I thought Mo Salah was close to his mischievous dynamite best. And if flying saucers were to invade the earth from the skies, I would back Nat Phillips to just nod them back to where they came from, light years away. On to Madrid, then, when we'll have to find some kind of solution to the riddles of Vinicius Jr., Mendy, Modric, Benzema, Cruz et al. But those conundrums are for another day. For now, I'm going to rise from my knees and put the kettle on. This is Owen from Cop On Podcast. And as I said, what madness. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Final thoughts here on Post Game then come from Mark Baker, who wants to talk about that all-important bid for a top-four finish and the importance of Champions League qualification. A massive ending to the fixture against Aston Villa at Anfield for Liverpool. Fantastic finish from St. Alexander-Arnold, which keeps Liverpool's chances of attaining a top four spot in the Premier League going because I felt that if Liverpool did not pick up maximum points, the feel around the club, but also the points differential of having to then make up the amount of points on the amount of teams, which would potentially have then gained an advantage with games running out. I just couldn't see that being the case. So I can't really understate how big it was. I felt Liverpool played well up to the point in which Salah scored the goal. And after that, Liverpool regressed, really struggled to build on any kind of momentum. And Aston Villa uh, gained control back within the game. However, I suppose at this stage of the season, none of that matters. All that really mattered for Liverpool was to get to get the win. Especially, obviously, with the results in Madrid in midweek, which looks a very difficult game for Liverpool to try and turn round with the factors we know about, obviously, the the situation not being the same for the, the home fixture without the inclusion of spectators, etc., etc., and just Liverpool's average form throughout the season. So, as I say, massive results. Now, what I wanted to look at really was, I mean, obviously Liverpool are in a, in a position at this moment in time, we're really looking at the short term in terms of Liverpool, well, can they get enough points to be able to make the Champions League? But... I, I think it's important to to look at what that means for Liverpool in the short, medium to long term of reaching the Champions League, really. And I think, first of all, you have to look at being able to acquire players, really, because 
if Liverpool are not in the Champions League places, don't get me wrong, Liverpool will still be an attractive club to players. I mean, recent Premier League and European champions. However, there's a lot of teams shopping in the same markets uh, in terms of recruitments, in terms of being able to uh, amalgamate the data to find the correct players who would fit the correct systems, etc., etc. And just sheer quality is known throughout Europe of players who the top teams would want to acquire. Now, if you're not in the Champions League, Liverpool obviously become a less attractive prospect because of that. Some players in Liverpool will be looking for top-shelf players, as they would have been last summer, would not be potentially comfortable in spending a year out of the Champions League. And after the, the year that Liverpool have had, in terms of the perception maybe to the outside, they would not be perceived as a shoe-in for the next season, such has been the issues that Liverpool have had. And there's been a real break from that feel-good factor that Liverpool had previously made up. I mean, six home defeats at Anfield, the fallibility is, is now there where there was almost a sense of invincibility to the outside public of, of how Liverpool and the manager were last season and in, in the years previous. So so that would definitely be a factor. I think obviously keeping and uh, retaining your best players. I think with Liverpool at this moment in time, obviously the, the two players you really look at would be Van Dijk and Slar really. I mean, Van Dijk obviously coming off the back of a long-term injury. I believe that, you know, you'd, you'd like to think that it'd be a case that Liverpool would be able to retain Van Dijk. And of course, the market is massively at a, a, at a low in terms of financially what the top teams can play, pay out the teams who would be likely to want to attract that kind of player in Barcelona and Real Madrid. And the same goes for Salah, really, who would be a player who you would feel more likely to potentially agitate for a move at the stage in his career. And I think he's got a different mindset in terms of always feeling like he would would have wanted to play for one of them two teams in particular. In European football, a lot of players still see that as the, the height of European football, really, don't they? However, like I've said before, you know, you've got a situation where there's such a depressed market that you'd, you maybe, for this summer, could get away with keeping them kinds of players all dependent on obviously then getting back into the Champions League the previous uh, the, the season after. So Liverpool may also have deals agreed for players. You know, it might be it, or deals in place or looking to get done that really revolve around that Champions League participation. You know, Liverpool will be working months, years in advance to sort of plot out the recruitment policy and what players they'd want for one, what position. And again, that can be affected. And I think just COVID in general, really, when you look at the effects of the COVID pandemic, you could probably say it hasn't affected a team more negatively than Liverpool. I mean, when obviously FSG bought the club, it was under the principle that financial fair play would be such a big factor that it allowed them to compete with teams like your Manchester City's in the Premier League. But what Liverpool actually achieved in finishing top of the league on the budget, I mean, you look at the budget in comparison to mid-table Premier League teams, not only, I'm talking about net spend here, not only the top teams, what Klopp and his players achieved was the absolute maximum, extracting absolutely everything in all departments of the football club, I would imagine, to be able to get to the summit. Now, if that's sustainable, I would very much doubt because normally football mirrors the amount of money you spend in comparison to where you finish in a Premier League table over 38 games. But at that time... When the COVID pandemic hit and obviously the summer affected, Liverpool's status had never been bigger. 
from the outside, all footballers looking in, who wouldn't have wanted to play for Liverpool? A sense of invincibility about them and a very attractive manager to play for who's got fantastic management skills. And from a financial position for Liverpool, obviously, I think they were in a very, very much more advantageous position. Obviously, they've, they've suffered huge losses since the pandemic has struck, which obviously is affected going forward in terms of how they may have had to think last summer in the transfer market. I mean, you don't only have to factor in Liverpool work in a strategy of sales, never mind acquisitions. So when you would, without question, factor in Liverpool have been looking to get fees last summer for the likes of your Harry Wilsons, Marco Gruwich, even your Jadon Shaqiri's, maybe Divock Origi's. So that would have brought in a whole amount of money and something Liverpool would have planned for. You know, they've been great sellers as well as they have buyers. I think even sales in the long term, Liverpool would have been looking at a plan before the pandemic in which they would have set aside a big player to leave at some point within the next year or two, whether that be Salah, Manny, Firmino, I mean, who would then that money be ring-fenced to go towards potentially strengthening the squad in other areas. It's it's all about selling at the right times and players not growing all together as a squad, that kind of thing. So that's been totally thrown up in the air because, as I, as I said before, the, the top teams in European football who would normally try to acquire Liverpool's best players and Liverpool would then reinvest that money and not in the market as buyers or, or haven't been. So you even think about some of the players Liverpool brought in last season uh, with regards to the pandemic. I mean, Jota's come in and Jota's done really well. Whether Jota is going to be the, an absolute elite top-level player though is, is massively up for debate in my eyes. And, you know, Liverpool structured that deal in keeping with the pandemic in which they'd only pay uh, an amount of money, you know, each year and it was small payments down which allowed them to possibly go for Jota over over options in that position and again that can affect because as well as Jota's done is that going to be long term the best solution that Liverpool would have had or looked into within that summer market with the Covid parameters uh, calling into question the thinking and maybe having to change strategy if you like I mean, you look at this summer, Thiago obviously came in last summer and what a fantastic player, you know, one of the outstanding elite midfielders in Europe over the last decade and in his last year, you know, he was the top midfield player in European football for Bayern Munich, attracted to Liverpool because of how they were perceived in the outside world. Will that perception be as strong if Liverpool weren't to go into the Champions League at the end of this year? So loads of factors to to think about and ultimately these will make the difference in that if Liverpool potentially do qualify for the Champions League can they continue to be an outlier a team that all of the best in Europe would like to uh, use as a destination which I believe would have been the case last summer or are they going to get pulled back into the pack not just in terms of their league position but also in how they're perceived in the outside world and the players they are able then to obtain in the market. Mark Baker on the importance of the win over Aston Villa and what it could do for the Reds. Well, Trent stepping up after a turbulent week to be the heroes for the Reds. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Post Game Podcast. If you can leave us a rating or review, wherever it is you get your audio on demand, it's always more than appreciated. On Grand National Day, though, Liverpool showing they might fancy a late run for a top four finish with Real Madrid to come next at Anfield. The stakes, though, are only getting higher. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.